Welcome to the art and science of complex sales. You've joined us in the coaching quarter. This podcast is dedicated to elevating the sales profession. Our listeners range from first-time salespeople to seasoned sales leaders and driven CEOs. They all come to learn from the best in the business. As we interview top sales transformation specialists, go-to-market leaders, revenue thought leaders, and more with only one question on our minds, how we get better together. This 12-episode quarter brought to you by Membrane.com will start to hone in on a key element in performance, sales coaching. Each of our guests speaks to this a bit differently and brings their own unique take, but all cover the topic, how to execute, and the exponential impact it makes. So let's start shining bright and get kicked off with today's guest. A 30-year veteran of sales, a 20-year entrepreneur, creator, author, and CEO of Revenue Growth Engine, and co-host of the Selling from the Heart podcast, Daryl Amy brings a seasoned and successful perspective to the sales profession. Come and learn about his journey and how he applies his learnings and coaching to sales leaders to increase influence and drive impact across individuals, families, companies, and communities. Daryl brings a perspective of investing in your team and your craft, and he is a personal example of both. Let's get started with Daryl Amy. Daryl, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for coming to me. Uh, Paul, it's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So am I. So am I. I, I uh, love your stuff. I absolutely have in, in the Revenue Growth Engine, and it's, it's going to be fascinating on how we tie that into some of our topics today. Um, I love the selling from the heart. I love Revenue Growth Engine. So I want to tie that all around uh, our, one of our core themes for this quarter, which is going to be coaching. Um, but first off, I want to I want to start with you really where we start most podcasts, which is we're going to start with how you got into sales, because I'd, I'd really like to understand your story and how you, you came about on your philosophy of sales. Well, Paul, I'm just re- reflecting on that. I just celebrated my 30th anniversary in sales, which is crazy to say and hard to believe. But for me, it was uh, November. Did you start of- selling when you were like six? Because no, you but are not looking... Much, I mean, unless, I mean it, unless there's a good filter on there, come on now. <laughs> it works well. I started straight out of college in 1993, and in the fall of 1993, I got my first real job in sales. And you know, the funny thing is, how did you get in sales? I, I think you know the real question should be, how did you fall into sales? Uh, but yeah. for me, it was uh, it was I was going to go to law school. But my uh, girlfriend, who soon would become my fiance and wife, had a couple years left of undergrad. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to get a job in sales for a couple years. I can take my business degree. I can make some money. And then I'll go to law school. But Paul, as as fate would have it, a couple years in, it's time to go to law school. And I'm realizing, number one, I'm making more money than my friends who are graduating from law school. And number two... I figured out that people only call attorneys when there was a problem. I thought that being an attorney was going to be like, uh, you know, Tom Cruise in A Few Good Men, that type of thing. And didn't realize it was going to be really boring. So anyhow, that was the beginning of my career in sales. I was selling office equipment. So to date myself three decades back, copiers, fax machines, dictation equipment, like the little tape recorders that uh, doctors and attorneys would use, which is why I took the job. I thought I'll, I'll be able to sell dictation equipment to doctors and attorneys. But I, I ended up in that industry, 
got bored with it. It started evolving into a digital scan and uh, I started selling document management workflow software. And uh, so that just kind of the, the career kind of began progressing from there. But yes, it was three decades ago, which is so hard to believe, but that is a true story. Well, congratulations on, on three decades. In a, in, <laughs> I, I have to say it is one of the top top professions in the world. I'm glad you stuck in it because uh, um, and, and funny, my, my parents ran an alpha graphics print shop ah, to the yeah, future back in the course. way. So I was, yes. a, I sold, I sold printing, but some of those mm-hmm. copier machines that you were selling made their way into, made their way into our alpha graphics in a big way. So, well, I remember, I remember going to the interview in the field ride and I remember the first day when I started, they handed me the, the price book and I looked, and I was like, people pay this much for these things. Of course, being <laughs> 21 years old at the time, I was like, this is fantastic. And uh, yeah, so it worked out. I was a sales rep, sales manager. I got to run a branch in my mid twenties uh, with PL responsibility, which was incredible. Then got recruited to be a regional uh, regional manager for Japanese technology company Toshiba, and, I, and what that was the big pivot in moment for me in my career because at that point, instead of selling to, I began selling through sales teams, and so I had a, a network of dealers. We called them back then, and and so I discovered really quickly that if I was going to hit my quota and you know excel and make the money I wanted to make. I had to get really good very quickly at two things. One, which was um, coaching business owners on how to develop strategic plans and sales growth plans and things like that. And then second, I had to get really good at enabling my sale, the sales reps at those companies to sell. Because my thought was, if I was the one that went in and helped them get better at sales, then in the process, they would represent my products, which ended up happening. It, we grew the territory during that time. And uh, so fast forward after spending four or five years working in developing those dealers and then, of course, helping them begin to sell software, as I'd learned to do. Two decades ago in January, so this is, uh, this is coming out in Q1, uh, two decades ago, I hung out my own shingle with a sales training company teaching hardware people how to sell software. And so I've been on this journey for the last two decades of working in sales development, training sales reps, training solution specialists, to have the opportunity to develop training for some Fortune 100 companies along the way. And so it's been, and of course, most recently, working alongside Larry Levine at Selling from the Heart, bringing uh, training in trust building skills into sales. And so the last two decades... I've had my sleeves rolled up, really working on saying, what does it take to develop salespeople and sales leaders so that we can maximize performance and fulfillment in the uh, in the profession that we all love? So it's been a journey, and in the last two decades, have been a lot of fun. We're gonna we're gonna take uh, we're gonna put a pin in two two words that you said, and we're gonna come back to them: performance and fulfillment. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing them down. We're coming back to them because that's a uh, the second one uh, essentially is something that I think it gets overlooked way too much. Yes, it does. But the, but the first thing um, I want to I want to talk about is so over this thirty 
this 30 year, three decade, I was about to say 30 decade, which <laughs> not quite, we're not quite, not quite Moses maybe, but yeah, <laughs> not you. Um, three decade career. Um, what is your conceptual, like what now is your true conceptual definition of what sales is? Yeah. I, I mean, I've always bought into the definition that sales is a transfer of belief. Um, and you know, that, that one's worked really well for me, but, but we've got to talk about what we believe in, I think. And, and to me, and, and my whole career has been in business to business selling. And I, I'm assume that most of this for our B2C friends, um, translates as well. But when, when we talk about belief, I think, uh, what we're talking about is not just belief in my products and services and company. And I hope you believe in the company. Uh, you know, that, that you represent, but it's also belief in the ability of your products and services to deliver the outcomes that your clients want. And that brings up, you know, something that I'm really passionate about is I think one of the biggest deficits in selling right now, we, yeah, we, we have a lot of training around product, uh, our product. You should know your product. You should know your company. Uh, but what do we know our, our clients company? Do we know our clients industry, their business? Um, I'll tell a story. I was working on a, a sales development, uh, a sales training program for a, a large fortune 100 company. And it was all on solution selling. It was an incredible project. It was a lot of fun. And in that project, one of the modules of that project is something I developed along the way which I called it an MBA in a box. And so in less than 30 minutes, I taught salespeople how to read financial statements and how to apply what they sell to how it affects those financial statements. Now, the funny thing was when we were rolling out the pilot of this training, every single leader in that company said, Daryl, our salespeople already know how to do that. This is way basic. You know, We need to move beyond this. And, you know, this is not going to be well received. I said, can you just trust me? Trust me. Let me put this in the pilot. It's just 30 minutes of a three-day program, 30 minutes. We get done. We get the feedback back from sales teams, which in this pilot had ranged from some enterprise reps who were highly tenured, highly professional, all the way down to some uh, partner, channel partner reps that were quite frankly, brand new in, in the business. And without fail, every single one of them, their top three things they appreciated about the course was someone showed them, someone taught them, coached them, walked them through what a P&L statement actually is, what a balance sheet actually is, and applied um, what we were selling to show how we could actually you know, affect the profitability of the company. You know, going back to sales as a transfer of belief, I think that you know we have to be able to credibly understand our product, but maybe even more importantly, we need to credibly be able to understand the outcomes our clients want and how our products and services enable those outcomes. And so, this is where you know this belief that we're transferring is more than just "Hey, I believe my company is the best," because who doesn't at some level, right? But it's a transfer of, I really believe that this will help get you where you want to go to achieve the outcomes you want to achieve, overcome the obstacles 
and create opportunity in the process. And so that's where when we look at selling, to me, uh, the definition of selling also brings up what I see as one of the biggest uh, challenges that salespeople face. And that is, they don't really believe in what they sell because they don't understand how what they sell actually delivers the outcomes their clients want. And so we end up with watered down belief that we transfer or try to transfer. Well, there's a really interesting component when you describe it that way. And I, I, I want to tie it back to a couple things, but this idea of self-belief as well. Like mm-hmm. it, and and uh, have I done the work? Do I have the discipline? Do I have Do I have what it takes to be able to do this and confidently dive in and say, I can confidently recommend this solution for for a company, often to somebody that's like three or four levels above me, right? If you want to talk about, uh, you know, you're selling to the CEOs or that type of stuff. Um, I love that definition. That really, that really, there's a lot of ways you can take that, a lot of ways that you can drive it. And I think it ties directly to our, our discussion on coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take that discussion on coaching to back to these two words that you brought. And I am going to add this third. I'm going to add a third word. I'm going to add belief as a third word, but performance, fulfillment, and belief. Now through that, through that framework and those words, let's talk about coaching because fulfillment is something that never gets talked about in the context of sales. Like you, you just, you don't talk about that. Why, why is that really important to you for somebody that in a sales position? And what is it? Yeah. Well, this is, this is something that we're really thinking and talking about a lot at selling from the heart right now. And that is, you know, if I like alliteration, so we say success and significance, right? We want, we want to have success. We've got to hit the number, want to crush the number, but we also, there's the significance side of that as well. And, and I think this is important for a number of reasons. Um, I think this is important, first of all, because sales is hard. We know that. We know that selling, if you're going to be all in and fully engaged in selling and actually prospecting and working to serve your clients and all of those things, it is really tough. It's tough rejection wise. We don't have to, I mean, we all know that, right? It's tough showing up at the beginning of a new month or a new quarter and then everything's blank. It's tough getting ghosted. It's tough with all of these, for all of these reasons. So sales is hard, number one. And that's why I think the fulfillment side is important that we find some way to find fulfillment inside our, our sales career. Second thing is for any salesperson that's achieved any level of success, I call this the thermostat theory, right? If you, if your expectation is 72 degrees and you're brand new in your role and it's 38, you're going to work really hard to get up to 72 degrees. But at some point, if you've been selling for a while and you're doing well, you you've gotten comfortable inside uh, whatever income you know bracket that that you have set personally for yourself, and you feel like okay, this this is good. Um, that's just human nature. The thing about fulfillment is what's going to motivate me to keep going, and at some point, it's got to be more than money. And and the reality is, money gets you to a certain point. Hitting financial goals hits you to, gets you to a certain point. But I think fulfillment um, goes beyond that. And so this gets a little bit touchy-feely, but I think this is important because here's the deal. What we're beginning to see in the sales career is that mental health in the sales profession is horrible. 
Like it's really, really bad. And we've had conversations uh, on this topic several times over the last couple of years at Selling from the Heart, which makes me think about, okay, well, why is why is mental health in the sales role so bad? I have a few theories we could discuss about that, but I think one of the main reasons is if you make sales your entire sales career all about money, at some point you hit a ceiling of being able to make anything more um, or you know, at some point you go, okay, well, money's great. I got the house. I got a boat. I got everything I want. At some point you wake up and you just are empty on all of this. And that's why I think you've got to look for fulfillment. And, and there are a number of different ways to do that on, on a level that, that uh, applies to every single person listening in is having a heart of service and making the world a better place. And, you know, it doesn't matter what, what you sell. All of us make the world a better place because when we go out and we engage in commerce and, and drive transactions, the first thing that happens is we create jobs. You know, salespeople don't do anything. You know, we, there are no jobs. And so we can look at one level, all of us on this, this call today, we can say, Hey, my efforts today put food on the table, Christmas presents under the tree for families. And I remember going uh, one year, this was when I was an entrepreneur, I still am an entrepreneur, but uh, we had a marketing services company that kind of bubbled out of, of what we were doing. And so we kept growing that. And, you know, at some point I was, you know, we were doing really well in it. And he's kind of thinking about hitting the cruise control and all of that. And I ended up going and we had, so we had a fulfillment partner that did most of our backend fulfillment. And when we started with that fulfillment partner, it was just a couple people. But three or four years in, after some good selling and business development, I went to the fulfillment partner's Christmas party. And there was a room full of people now and their spouses. And I walked in that room and uh, I got emotional <laughs> because I realized that my sales efforts and now the sales efforts of people on the team who are in sales had made that possible, that those people had you know a job because of what I did. So now we're talking about fulfillment. And that's, you know, at one level, I think everyone should look in sales, sales leadership and go, the people at this company, it, let's feel some fulfillment around that. Like, let's recognize that. And then whatever you sell at some level that you can make some connection, I hope, with making the world a better place. <laughs> if, if not, you maybe should go sell something else because I don't think ultimately at some, some point money is going to fail you in terms of being a motivator. And I think that you need to look uh, at uh, trying to align your sales career with your personal uh, goals, your values, your mission, all of that. Is that always possible? No, but I think we can aspire towards it because there's going to come a point in your career, once again, where you've made the money and you know you got another year looking out before you, you got another prospecting, all these thing, activities to do. And uh, it's going to take more than the commission check to motivate you. And quite frankly, I think this is why a lot of people hit slumps is they just, you know, at some point you don't have a purpose and then you stop 
you know, you just stop putting the effort in, you start phoning it in. And we all know what happens when you phone it in with selling, you know, you can do well for a little while, but it's going to, it's going to drop and then you're in the ditch. So don't get in the ditch. I say, find some ways to draw a line between what you do and something that's fulfilling, that aligns with your purpose that makes you remember when you're driving in in the morning and when you got to make that one more call or do that one more thing at 5.30 at night that you're moving towards a purpose and you're, what you're doing is making a difference, not just for you and your family, but for the world. And so, yeah, it's a little, it's a little touchy-feely, but uh, the mental health thing se- tells me that touchy-feely yeah. is a thing in sales and we got to start factoring that in. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's. I, I actually don't. I don't think there's such a thing as soft skills, right? Um, yeah, we like to skills. say we soft like skills to, yield hard dollars. That is, a, yeah. that's a phrase we use at Selling from the Heart all the time. It's a well, it's a great phrase. And so let's 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 dive a little bit more. And um, so that is a fulfillment, aka significance, because we like the alliteration side of it. Um, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many sales leaders I've had discussion with that are on the same exact page at the saying salespeople, there's a myth that salespeople are coin operated. It's it's a myth. It can work for a year to two to maybe three, right? But the really good ones, if they're really good, are going to hit that, that level, right? Where they're very comfortable. And then the coin operation is for the bottom tier of people that are not developing their skills and that's all they have to motivate them. So, um, Tell me, and, and they generally jump, right? They either get they comfortable jump in one around. spot at one spot as a, as a C player, or they'll jump from spot to spot to spot. So let's get practical on the fulfillment side and yeah. significant side. How, how does, how does Daryl Amy take and coach to that? Like what, what are some of the critical elements that we need to really start to, to bring into the discussion when we're coaching top performers about how to help them actually achieve that, achieve their goals and drive significance. Yeah. Well, I think we go back to Simon Sinek, start with why. And so one of the things that we, we wrecked and we've been quoting start with why at selling from the heart from the beginning, because, you know, the, the why, if you don't start with why, you know, you're going to be in trouble. You're, you're going to really struggle. And Simon Sinek made that, uh, Sinek made that a great, you know, great point and start with why. And when we found our friends at the Y Institute who had developed a very simple, uh, and powerful way to discover your why. And we started deploying that inside our clients at selling from the heart and salespeople started going, Oh, you know, cause if you ask someone, what's your purpose? That's like mm-hmm. the most. I don't know, like, you know, I'm going to go up in a mountain and find my purpose and no one's got time for that. Um, I mean, I do recommend it, by the way, you should go find your purpose. But when it comes to the practical, you know, day to day stuff, I think it's really helpful for a manager to um, a leader to be able to go and, and run someone through something like the Y Institute, uh, we call it the Y operating system, YOS, and know somebody's why what and how, you know, why they do what they do, how they do what they do and, and what that what they're really good at. And my why, by the way, is a better way. I'm always looking for a better way to get things done. And so 
if somebody wants to win my heart as a sales leader, for example, uh, they will say, Daryl, how is what you're doing making a better way for your customers? How is what you're doing? What could we adopt? How could we do things better here? What advice can you give back? Now I'm going to feel super fulfilled because I'm understanding that For example, I believe at Selling from the Heart, we have created a better way to develop sales teams using our hybrid coaching methodology. Um, I believe that we have created a better way to equip sales teams at Selling from the Heart by training reps around core skills and building trust throughout the sales process. And, And so that like now I show up to what I do. And of course, I sell for selling from the heart. I'm an entrepreneur and part of a team. Any, everyone sells. And so I can sell with passion because it's aligning with my purpose, which is to find a better way. And I do it by challenging the status quo and simplifying things. So I'm like, I'm like a kid in the candy store because I've found a way to align my why, my purpose with what I do inside selling from the heart and and it motivates me to be able to sell. And so this has been an incredibly practical thing for leaders to go, okay, I need to know my own why. And in when you, you know, inside the why institute, there's nine core whys. So it's not like an endless stream of things. It's defined. And I need to know what yours is as well. And so now we can have a practical conversation around um you know my friend Larry uh Larry Levine author of selling from the heart his why is to contribute to a greater cause well guess what he does it every single day and when he gets on a zoom call to uh talk to a future client of selling from the heart he's passionate because he's made that link between what he sells and his purpose and so Everybody, you know, everybody, whatever your why is, I believe you can make a bridge between your why and the product and service you sell. And if not, there's plenty of places to go work, but you can do that. Well, let's, let's move that, move that forward. So a key part of coaching is, is understanding and finding that why I love Mm -hmm. the why is to that, that, that tool. Let's go now to you. One of the things that you said with, uh, with skills training. So attaching that Mm -hmm. to skills training and attaching that to that, that, that to me aligns highly with belief, right? That aligns more with belief to me than knowing my product, right? Yes. Because I need to know my product and then how to position it and understand what's going on in my company, uh, in the company. So how do you drive then skills training to a point? And well, maybe it's not training. It's kind of skills growth. Because I, I don't think it's, I don't think training is, I think training is episodic. How do you drive this mm-hmm. ongoing skills growth in a way that empowers that belief and truly drives it? I think the first is understanding the the four areas of growth. And so I like to think of these on a kind of an XY axis, you know, vertical and horizontal mm-hmm. line. And, you know, the tr- traditional in sales training, we think of sales skills and product knowledge, right? Just, you know, the practical, how do you sell? What do you do? What do you say? How do you handle objections and all of that? Super important. Product knowledge, half of the piece, the other half is understanding not just your products, but how they relate to your clients' outcomes, which we talked about earlier. So you got that, you know, on the horizontal axis, if you will. But what I think in most companies have that they have some type of sales training, they have some type of product knowledge, hopefully that product knowledge includes some business acumen. But what seems to be missed, and those are what I call the hard skills. Mm-hmm. 
But we said soft skills yield hard dollars. So what are, what are the soft skills? I think on the other axis at the top, I'd put relational skills. And this is what we've discovered at Selling from the Heart as we work in, especially in highly commoditized industries. An industry where, you know, there's some industries where you got the hottest thing and it's unique and all of that. But the reality is most industries are not super exciting. Uh, There's, you know, not a lot of differentiation between competitors. And so at that point, now what's a buyer looking for? It's probably not your product because in their mind, it's the same as everything else. It's trust. And trust is built around two things. And we talk about the trust formula at Selling from the Heart, authentic relationship and meaningful value. And we talked about the meaningful value with the whole business acumen and outcomes thing. But where a lot of people are missing it is in relationship building skills. And we just assume that since someone filled out a job application to be a sales professional, that they know how to develop relationships and build trust quickly inside those relationships. And the reality is that's simply not true. When we're assessing sales teams and, and we, you know, we, we will assess a sales team to see where they need development and to understand how investing in that development could invest in, could help the top line revenue of the company. And when we're doing that, we consistently find two things. We find that salespeople struggle in relationship development, which is really, really interesting. Because I think conventional wisdom says, oh, they're salespeople. They know how to build relationships. Not necessarily true. Second thing is in in communicating meaningful value. So we measure things like consultative selling, for example. Most sales teams, those are really low. So I think the the relational skills, we call them trust building skills at selling from the heart are really, really critical. We we say no trust, no sales. <laughs> so the more we can build trust, it 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 affects everything. Then the other side of that, so we got product knowledge, we've got sales skills, we got relational skills. The other side of that, that the fourth part of that quadrant is mindset and belief. And mindset and belief are actually, I believe, closely related to habits and what we're doing on a regular basis to invest in ourselves as salespeople. And sales is a um, challenging, wonderful, wonderful, but horrible (laughs) profession because it's got so much rejection and so many mind games and different things like that. So working doing you know we talk about doing the inner work and and having a coach that can help you along that journey of understanding your purpose understanding the mental blocks dealing with mindset developing habits that are going to leave you in a healthy place at the end of the day and not in a place where you just want to you know check out and numb out and different things that seem to happen quite epidemically in the sales profession. And so I think there's that that working on the the relational component, your relationship with other people, and then the personal component, which is really your relationship with yourself. What's going on not only in your mind, but also in your heart. And and that's where we've got, you know, product knowledge and sales skills. I hope you do those. We're always going to have to do those in sales. But when you bring in the intangibles around relational skills and mindset, you know, how we relate to others, how we relate to ourselves, 
to me, that's where you get the X factor because improvements in those areas affect every stage of the sales cycle. And that's what we're beginning to see at Selling from the Heart when we, we go, okay, well, let's not only do we, yeah, let's not only do product and, uh, in sales skills, let's also bring in the relational component. And to me, companies that invest in that area, not only see, we see better results sales wise, but we also see longevity. People stick around inside an organization like that. And, you know, the cost will, you know, you can quote the cost of losing a sales rep and replacing that. I've heard it's, you know, up to over a hundred percent of their quota is the expense. It's like absurd to rotate through people. So why not make the investment in coaching them on how to build trust with your clients and coaching them how to uh, build trust with themselves and and to grow themselves? Uh, There's where I think the high leverage stuff is right now in sales development and coaching. Well, I I couldn't agree with you more. I've defined it as three. There's three core elements. I like alliteration team as Mm -hmm. well. So I, I talk about I talk about talent transformation and uh, tool set or technology, right? So mm-hmm. finding finding and bringing in and making the investment in the talent transformation is everything that you just talked about from belief yeah. to relational skills to product knowledge to sales skills to that investment in self. And then uh, tool set is how we drive, how we enable them to actually perform through through the right tool sets yeah. because sales is not a, there is a competitive advantage to some tool sets and technologies out there. And sales is not something that we should be doing with a notebook anymore. I think that'll get into a little later in our conversation, but I want to circle back to one last thing with you on coaching. Cause we we've gone, we've gone two spots. We've gone to that significance, AKA fulfillment. We've gone to belief, right. Uh, and we've gone at that pretty hard. And the different types of things that we need to do to do that inner work and to get the skill skills performance like that is the third you you said significance and success or fulfillment and performance mm-hmm. performance that is something that is I think most managers uh, in sales today are are strictly numbers based and we have at some point we have to be numbers based performance we're we're in a business to drive growth drive revenue but many only focus on that how do you incorporate how does a great sales coach incorporate the performance incorporate the numbers as a piece of the pie but not be contributing to that you know hey hit hit the number or take a hike type mentality that that uh you know, coffees for coffees for closers, coffees right? For closers, right? Uh, that, that type down. of mentality that that's not a fit for for everyone, right? The reality, that, I mean, the reality is that the reality question. is it's a great question, and I think it's a critical question. And i i, I want to just I want to come at it maybe in a, in a little bit different way. Of course, the reality is that. In business, we're there to drive drive results. Everybody is, not just salespeople. Everybody is. And a well-managed business is going to connect every role with with some type of uh, KPIs or or results. I I think this is important to recognize that sales isn't the only department in the company that is results-oriented. For us, it just happens to be revenue and, you know, possibly gross profit and, and the activities around that for 
for someone else, it may be some operational um, things. But we, we're not the only ones in any corporation being held to to results. So this is you know this is something I think we have to to recognize. And the other thing is, salespeople want results. If we've done the job of helping that salesperson understand their purpose and helping them, you know, understand their personal goals. Why are they in this? I tell salespeople all the time, your goal is not your quota. Your goal is whatever you want. You set your goal. The quota is just, you know, the minimum required to keep your job. But I want to know what, you know, what's your goal? What are you trying to achieve in life for yourself, for your family, for your legacy, for the causes you care about? And so um, what, where, where I'm going with this is I think that, that results are part of all of this and, and results are, results are not bad. I mean, this is mm-hmm. like, you know, as soon as you start talking about authenticity, for example, which by the way, we were really happy at selling from the heart that Miriam Webster made authenticity, the word of the year in 2023. So what's good. We've been pushing it hard at, uh, at selling from the heart, but but there's there's authenticity in terms of it, you know I want to bring my real self to the table I want to show up with passion and purpose there's authenticity that that is also going to um, I'm going to authentically engage in doing the work and in sales results come from obvious things that are measurable KPIs and so we've got to lead towards that. You know, the results come from activity. You need to manage to, you know, manage to activity and track activity. Uh, but that activity, I think a smart leader is always going to bridge that activity back to that rep's purpose. And, you know, it's not only about the company. The rep is in, in a entrepreneurial partnership with that company because when the company wins, the rep wins and, and back and forth. And I think the leader has to always be leading in terms of that. If you understand someone's why, it certainly helps with that. So I don't know that I'm the, uh, you know, there's probably so many different ways to answer that question. It's probably an endless question to think about in terms of a leadership challenge. But I'm a massive believer that the results matter. And and I want to also want to add a little bit of different context to this is what are you measuring? What results are you measuring? And a lot of times we look at top line revenue. You know, what did we, what do we drive? But one of the things I'm passionate about, and it was the core of the revenue growth engine book that I wrote, is that there are two sources of revenue and really two, only two sources of revenue. And that is number one, the number one source of revenue is net new business. How many logos did I add to the mix? And the second is revenue per customer. What am I doing to drive cross-sell revenue? And this is what I love about the tools that you've put together because the tools toolkit needs to not only be around net new business, it needs to be a driving revenue per customer, cross-sell revenue. And what I've noticed, Paul, is most sales teams focus pretty heavily on net new business, but they don't do a really good job at driving um, cross-sell, upsell, um, type opportunities inside the customer base. And as a result, the company loses, the sales rep loses. And so I think the other thing, when you talk about coaching around fulfillment, one of my favorite quotes is, is that every Jay Abraham, the great marketing guru, my favorite marketing guru, 
um, Jay says, we have as entrepreneurs and salespeople an ethical responsibility to make sure that every one of our customers is getting the highest and best results and enjoyment from their relationship with our company. And so if as a salesperson, you've gone in and you've sold them one one product, but there's really three or four that could benefit the categories that could benefit. It's, you know, it's incumbent. It's, it's a responsibility to go in and cross sell and make sure they're enjoying the highest and best benefit they can enjoy from their relationship with your company. And, and that's a number, right? So I want to know as a sales leader, how many logos did you bring in? And I also want to know. What's your average revenue per customer? And is that growing or not? You know, are we, are we just landing or are we also expanding? Are we getting market share and wallet share at the same time? And so, but this comes back to the purpose and cause. So the purpose of the company is whatever your company's purpose is, you know, to help salespeople and sales teams maximize their performance. Well, if you're using one component of our, our offering, um, you know, you can maximize more performance if you used all of them. So I want to, I want to appeal to that passion and belief, um, around that. So it's a long answer to a really, it's, really challenging and important question. But I, I do believe that there is a bridge between purpose and, and your why and performance in all of that. And you can have that conversation. And I, I think as adults, you know, we can all be in the room and go, we are here to make money, but we're here to make a difference as well. And we can do yeah. both at the same time. Well, and I think, I think one of the things that contributes to, I love the way you frame this, because I think one of the things that contributes to that, that burnout and that the sales side is when you, when the dashboard is your only focus and the mm-hmm. only discussion you have is more, 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 more. And the only focus is, is, uh, you know, logo, 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 logo. And you skip the why you skip the fulfillment, you skip those things. And, and you learn more and more. And, and my career has, has, has evolved. Um, I just hit my second decade. All right. Yeah, my that. second decade. Um, but, uh, I find when you overemphasize, right. When you overemphasize, any one part of that, and for a time that may be necessary to to push on numbers and really push, but for a long, prolonged time, just having the pedal to metal and the foot on the gas, and that's all you focus on. That's I see burnout. I see, I see uh, people hate sales, hating life. Instead of when you focus on your approach, which is we're all adults. Let's treat each other like human beings. Let's let's understand this this gap or this this tie between significance and success and belief. And so I love the way you're framing this, Daryl. Keep keep up the, the amazing work. Well, if you think about the impact, and I just want to round this this part out just by saying, look, you know, the product or service that your company sells has an impact. So yes, I want the numbers. To, I always want the numbers to go up, mm-hmm. uh, of course, because I want the impact to go up. So this is, you know, this is, I think, the job of the the man. If you're a manager, you're just going to manage the numbers. If you're a leader, you're going to influence to impact. And the numbers are part of that. They're part of the scorecard. Uh, but, you know, if, if you, for example, sell, you know, software solutions that help salespeople be more productive in sales teams, 
at companies that sell incredible things like uh, life save saving medical equipment or something like that. Like the you want their sales teams more productive because the impact is going to be that they're they're going to grow, they're going to create jobs, they're going to save lives, and so somehow as leaders we've got to always. And that maybe maybe the takeaway is we need less sales managers and more sales leaders because leaders are going to appeal not only to um, numbers but they're going to appeal to impact and and those are the real results and I think we can champion that and I think we can drive performance we want to win I got to introduce you to I there's another uh, podcast I'm doing in this coaching quarter that we're running the gentleman's name is Chris McAllister. Um, he talks about leading for validation versus leading for impact. Love he it. doesn't do it just in the sales, just in the sales uh, context. He does it across and he's got some amazing tools. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to introduce you there. It's also a shout out and a little shout out for making sure that we're liking the podcast, following the podcast, subscribing to the podcast to make sure that we get uh, not just Daryl, but everybody else that, that comes on here. With that being said, we've hit our time. I can't thank you enough for for bringing yourself, bringing enthusiasm, bringing your life's work to us and really sharing it freely. Any last uh, thoughts you want to share with the uh, audience before we sign out? I just want to encourage you as you look into this new year to really understand your purpose uh, personally and then tie in work. If you're leading a sales team or coaching people, understand their purpose and let's bring some significance to the sales profession. And we can do this. And when we do, it's going to feel better. It's going to be better. And we're going to get better results. So let's do this. You really can. And 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 so I love this conversation, Paul. Thank you so much uh, for engaging me in this today. Absolutely. And how do people find you? You can find me if you text the word revenue to 21,000. That's revenue to 21,000. You'll get in touch with me. You also get a bunch of resources uh, from Revenue Growth Engine to help you scale faster. And uh, of course, uh, LinkedIn is is my home along with I'm sure everyone listening in. And the good news is there's not that many people on LinkedIn named Daryl Amy. You're going to find me really quickly. All right. Well, everybody, I highly recommend reaching out to Daryl, learning about his work at Revenue Growth Engine and selling from the heart and getting in touch. With that, I'm going to sign off for the episode, say thank you for listening, keep shining bright, and have an amazing day. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Art and Science of Complex Sales. Please take a moment, like, subscribe, share this podcast on all your favorite platforms, and let's get the word out. This podcast is proud to be brought to you by Membrane.com. We are the world's top B2B sales platform. And in the world of B2B sales, with everything from prospecting to business acquisition to managing complex growth, Membrane has the right size technology for your sales team. Our latest innovation, the Coaching Cockpit, empowers your leaders, managers, and team with the information and tools they need to take their skills to the next level and to take advantage of the exponential power of effective sales coaching. With our technology and the top team of sales partners around the world, Membrane is helping to achieve our driving vision. This is, quite simply, elevating the sales profession. To learn more, find us at www.membrane.com, that is M-E-M-B-R-A-I-N.com, or contact us via email at sales at membrane.com. Keep shining bright and have a wonderful day.